0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fuck in what the fuck a What the fuck avians? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my show. WTF. Welcome to it. How are you? Today on the show, uh, Joseph Arthur, uh, the musician, songwriter, and painter, and artist, and of all of things. I don't know where I met Joseph, but I think I got a record of his from somewhere. He did this tribute record to Lou Reed that I really liked, you know, and then I listened to some of his other music, and I was like, this is interesting, and then I, somehow we were in touch with each other on Twitter or something, I, I didn't really know who he was, but like he, you know, he was a fan of this show, and I became a fan of his music, and uh, it was a great, great conversation. I just like the guy and I like his work and he does his own thing and he's been out there a long time and it was it was a surprise. Also on the show today, Peter Biebergall. he uh, wrote a book called uh, Season of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll and I just kept looking at the book. I got a lot of books. I kept seeing it sitting over there. So, you know, that's all I'm going to do a little one with him and then Joe Arthur uh, so it's kind of a nice uh, Monday, Labor Day show, okay? So you relax. You relax, you people. Look, I talked to you the other day about this opportunity I got to be on this television show on Netflix called Glow, a starring role, and I'm excited about it. There's no reason I shouldn't be excited about it. But I'm. there's some part of me that underplays a lot of things. And also, like... I didn't it wasn't easy for me to cancel shows. I don't like to cancel shows. It 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 bothers me. I don't like to be disappointed. Why would I think anyone else would like to be disappointed? I don't expect that you'll be horrendously angry at me. I did reschedule all the shows, but there was part of me. It's just this is an interesting thing. I'm trying to explore this cuz I want to stay honest around this shit so I can share it with you. Just about you what i'm going through and 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 maybe somebody can relate to it like for instance i did not feel good canceling shows i made sure we did not cancel any of them outright and we rescheduled them all. i'm sorry if the time frame didn't work for some of you but and i also understand again that i would be disappointed as well but it was not an easy decision. I knew I had to take the role because that's a once in a lifetime thing, and uh, as far as I know, I only got one lifetime, and I'm very excited about it. But I do know that I had to make a decision that would disappoint some people. But I, it was it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It, it was easy to the degree that I knew what I had to do, but that doesn't make it easy sitting inside of me. A couple people were disappointed. I saw that on Twitter. Understand that. Then there were these two people on who sent emails through the site. One was crazy, just like "fuck you, I'm done with you." You know, I was looking forward to seeing you. Now you're just. I thought you were better, and now you're just a narcissistic ass. You always were, and I'm done with you. I'm 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 erasing you from my mind and life, and blah blah. Just like just an attack. Now clearly. Those were some deeper issues at play. But it did hit that one part of me. That part of me that's sort of like, Oh, see, I, I upset somebody. Yeah, even though in my mind I know like no one should be that upset. And you know, I can live without her if if that's her decision. That you know, to be like, you know, fuck you, I'm done. Okay, okay. There's nothing I can do about it. It's hard for me to to hold that boundary, to have that detachment, even with this kind of shit. Maybe I'm too sensitive. That's why I guess I shouldn't be that's sensitive but the point being then there was another uh, another email from home. these are the only two that that were really the only two emails about this and this other woman she just went on and on about how much she admired me how great it was and you know how much she's been loyal to me as a fan and and like you know, very impressed with me and then at the end you know because I made this decision to take a lead role in a television show that would was something i really wanted to do and could change my life and it was an exciting opportunity once in a lifetime because i did that now whatever feeling she has about me which leading up to this were, were very grand and nice and supportive would be will be permanently tainted like a, like a drop of Clorox in good coffee she said you know, again, th- those are her issues. I don't have to. But my point is it triggered the part of me that felt bad for canceling. And then I was like, oh, God damn them. Why? You know, why would they be like this? And then I realized, like, it's deeper than that. You know, no matter what your decision, you kind of want your parents to go like, it's OK, baby, it's a good decision. You you know, you're doing the right thing. It's OK. Good for you. And even when you make a shitty decision, you want people to go like, yeah, that was terrible. And, and uh, you know, I would be mad, but I'm not. You just want this weird, unconditional support and love. And that's just not the way life works. But I, you know, I realize that myself, that I fight with that, that, you know, and you, that's just something you got to accept. Sometimes you got to make these decisions and God knows there was no one's life hanging in the balance, but some people are going to be disappointed. They didn't need to be abusive. You know, and I'm sort of an easy mark sometimes, and it's weird to have a personality that is sort of as seemingly aggressive as mine, and somewhat defined uh, in that way. That you know, I would be. I don't know if it's people pleasing, but I certainly am pretty diplomatic, and I'd rather there not be trouble, if that's possible. Could there not be trouble? And look, I, I again, I'm sorry I had to reschedule. But I had to reschedule. It's just, life is like that sometimes. And I know, some, I know as many of you who have been with me a long time and are my fans who are excited about my success, uh, I think there's a few people out there that are excited about it but somehow feel abandoned. I'm not going anywhere. And there's still some part of me inside that is definitely not succeeding. Does that make you feel better? See how diplomatic I am? There's something inside of me that will never be successful. Does that, is that... Does that help? Does that help? So here's how I, Peter Bibergall, uh got on the show, kind of. He sent me his book. He was, I think we were in touch on email, and he thought I'd really like the book. It was uh, called uh, Season of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll. And I liked the cover. I had it in hardback sitting around, and I had it in paperback sitting around. And then finally I took a look at it, and it was sort of a, a memoir-slash- kind of uh basic investigation into the mystical uh kind of witchy elements of rock and roll but it was also a lot about about peter himself and i liked the guy and then he happened to be coming to la so i said all right let's do it come over so this is uh this is me and peter having a little chat about uh, his book uh season of the witch how the occult saved rock and Mm roll Roll. You sent me your book. And I think you sent it in paper, or hardback, and paperback. I did send it twice. And you were like, this, <laughs> this is a book for you. <laughs> and I kept looking at the book, and then I read some of the book. Season of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll, and your persistence, which is a key element to ritual that's right repetition the the uh, the repetitive nature of your requests to be on my show worked magic Peter how did that happen how did it happen <laughs> you just kept bothering me I kept seeing the book I believed you that it would be something I'm interested in because you know I go back with the uh, the mystical thinking I didn't realize uh, at the time when you sent it to me that you're you're somewhat of an academic and your approach is thorough it's not some weird scattershot personal
1: history I tried yeah, get up closer to the mic. It's very easy to uh, turn that kind of stuff into either completely skeptical to the point of dismissing everything or believing it's there's a there's an occult conspiracy behind the whole record. Well
0: I, I think that the way you approached it, which I think is reasonable, is that you know the 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 bottom line is is that ritual magic has always existed. It has existed in any time there have been humans in groups and communities, some form of ritual magic or some sort of um, transference onto uh, gods, to entities, to objects in order to try to find some uh, magical consistency in life has always existed.
1: Yep. And sometimes it's just enough because it inspires musicians to want to do something interesting with their music. Most of the time, a lot of what we thought was happening was what the media or the fans imposed on it. And the bands love that, you know, ate it up.
0: Yeah. Because it's an image thing, but I like how you start the book by really, you know, seeking out the source points of rock and roll, which is blues, which goes back to Africa. And there's a several, there's a, there's nice, uh, bit of writing about the, the history of those religions that, uh, came up through Africa on into New Orleans. And then how the religions that became Christianized still maintained some of the mythology and talisman and, uh, even, uh, uh, rhythmic elements yep. of old music. And that was really, there was a mystical element. To the, the foundation of rock and roll.
1: But that, even that, especially with the early slave spirituals, is they had to do it in secret because they knew that the slave owners didn't want those elements, which they saw as barbaric, as satanic, to be part of that w- Christian worship. So even though the slaves accepted the Christian salvation story because it meant liberation from their awful plight... Right. They still had to incorporate these old. Uh, pa- it was just it was a part of their DNA. Yeah. Right. So then that becomes what I think is pop music's first rebellious moment. Yeah. Right? And it's a spiritual rebellion. It's saying, okay, we get your Christianity, but we still have to worship our own way.
0: Right, right? and that comes up through, uh, y- you know, the 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 first um, rock and roll recordings. And also what was considered black music at the time. And there was something... There was an element of black culture that was mystifying and magical and somewhat evil to white culture that uh, still is in some That's areas. Right. Yeah. But the music was coming up mostly through black performers.
1: That's right. There's actually... There's also a really interesting moment. I couldn't find the actual source, but there was a early Pentecostal minister at, um, at the beginning of the Pentecostal movement who wanted... Who felt that his congregation just didn't have any energy in their prayer. It was very staid and yeah. white, you right. know? yeah. And he said, come on, we can't let the devil keep all this good rhythm. Yeah. He was talking about yeah. the black church. Right. <laughs> right, right. So they brought in the gospel, you know, that the yelling and the speaking in tongues and, and all of that so stuff. So that's what and shifted and that. That's what shifted that. And Al, that was the church that Elvis was brought up in the Assembly Church of God. Yeah. So he's criticized later by his own church. And he says, but I learned it from you.
0: right so let's talk about the evolution of this because you're approaching the occult presence in rock and roll which well some of it has uh foundation there was some when did you know after the blues after early rock and roll after little richard where do we go where where does it start becoming a, a a part of rock and roll
1: well lsd okay right so you have um these bands you know especially from england that are returning to. Wait
0: wait, 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 one before we do this. Yep. the crossroads is the great mythological. That's right.
1: soul uh, uh, of the, the devil,
0: and you were able to track that. They, you know yep. what the possibility and what the what the what what that myth came from. That's
1: right. So it's there's a couple of deities, mm-hmm. African Yoruban deities, Legba and Ishu, and these are not. They're not the devil, but they're yeah. trickster. Right, and that's key. Right, yeah. they're trickster deities. Yeah, and they're they're in all the all the uh many religions the trickster like the fox yeah. Hermes yeah. these are the Coyote. Mes- that's right these are the messengers these are how you talk to the gods is through these messenger spirits the,
0: and the trickster is uh kind of duplicitous yep uh sometimes a joker that's right uh, sometimes a, a a player of the uh, of uh, of uh
1: of pranks yep that's right and uh misleading right mm-hmm. but it's easy to see those horns on its head right mm-hmm. and transfer that to this is the devil right so that's how that happened that's how the the myth was christianized in a
0: way and then mythologized through blues music
1: that's right so now these gods issue legba become the devil at the crossroads but mm. b- prior to that this was just an essential part of the african and Yoruba mythology
0: so robert johnson didn't sell his soul to the devil no
1: uh, well, it even turns out it maybe wasn't even Robert Johnson and all that. That story came from. Who was he? It? it is another fellow, Tommy Johnson. Yeah. And it was he had this sort of ghostly voice falsetto. Yeah,
0: Robert used that too.
1: Yeah, and so they said that he and his brother had this idea to sort of perpetuate this story. Skip James
0: and, had the falsetto too. Yes.
1: So you have this this anything in music that felt so they did you're, so
0: so they did it on purpose.
1: Yes. So there you go. There's your beginning. That's right. Exactly, because it creates a mythology. So right. all of rock, right, is about the creating of these mythologies. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know part of my growing up was about interacting with that math- mythology through record, co- the album covers. What's next, the Beatles? The Beatles, right? Paul is dead. Paul Why has he dead? got no shoes on? He's got no shoes on because you don't bury somebody with their shoes on. That's what I heard. Then there was If... Thirty-four. Is that what the license plate said? He would have been 34 if he hadn't died. Right. What about that guy who was standing there? Oh, the Undertaker. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. Okay. (laughs) So my brother, Mm -hmm. older than me, seven years older than me, he would play Revolution 9 for me. Oh, boy. I was six, seven years old, and I was terrified. But Number nine? Number nine. Number nine? He played it backwards, turned me on, dead man. To, oh, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah, I buried Paul. That's one. Of those. That was that, but I buried Paul oh, at the I end of the Wall- Strawberry Field. Oh, that's right.
0: In that weird musical part, where if you don't speed it up, it's like it sounds like I'm very bored. <laughs> <laughs> but if you speed it up, it's I buried Paul. It's Queer's as day. Yep, perfect. Yeah.
1: So my brother would play this for me. Yeah, and I was terrified of it. But then when he wasn't home, I would play it all by myself. You know, and then again, you add a little, little bit later add a little Dungeons and Dragons to that. To that one? Well, just to the whole thing of listening to the No, I get it, but like those, that, those you know? seemed
0: like those seemed like rumors and myths built around the Beatles. It wasn't necessarily the occult. It doesn't seem like the occult bands, you know, happened a little later, right? No, but
1: it has to be something underneath that is something that's very um something otherworldly has to be going on. How could Paul both be dead yeah. but be Able to be part of right. this story of his death. I get it. Right. Okay. This kind of a like a necromancy yeah. of some kind. Okay. In play, right. Right. And you and a, and alongside that is their interest in Eastern mysticism. hmm So all of this, especially at that part of the sixties, was all getting mixed up into this stew. Mm-hmm. Right? You get the weirdness of the mythology of the band's lives themselves. Yeah. Then you have their own interest in Eastern mysticism. Mm-hmm them taking lsd Mm -hmm. is 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 is, um lucy in the sky about it or isn't it about it yeah you know tongue and there's always under their breath it's not about it while he drops the acid right right (laughs) you know right so you have all this this is this stew yeah and the counterculture is hungry for it because the war doesn't want to end right their parents church isn't giving them anything
0: yeah, and, and nice. all of it—it's just blowing your minds. There, there's exactly. a huge cultural shift, and exactly. and certainly mysticism and uh, uh, what became New Ageism, and and what was uh, you know previously a cult uh, uh, was very popular in all different ways. There were literally you know magical groups and communities That's right. that were based in ritual magic. Maza- well, right
1: here, you have the Source Family, the Process Church, the Process Church. Uh,
0: yeah, the the other one, the Source. Right, what was the other one? Children of God.
1: Yep. The Mansons. Yep. It always takes that dark turn, ultimately. You know, that's the other part of it is you, you fuel all this. And one the thing that's interesting about sort of the occult imagination, mm-hmm. that I like to call it, and that kind of magical thinking that I know for me personally when I fueled it with stuff like acid— you know everything just connects to something else there's no end there's no final message there's just you have to keep digging and then there's another sign that points to another sign and another sign yeah but, that so, but, that's, another right. symbol, but that's right but
0: that's that's magical that's mystical thinking that's, that's mystical. magical thinking
1: that's right but it turns dark when you're there's a moment in uh did you ever see a magic? Yeah. when
0: it turns dark is you is when you you believe it when you actually have a moment where you believe it's all connected Right. <laughs> then right. it becomes quite overwhelming and it's impossible not to think that you're a secret agent of some kind. That's right. Am I the only one that knows this? Yeah,
1: exactly. That. Exactly. Then you're in trouble. Right. Cause then it's, and it has been said that it's just as psychotically self-centered to believe that you're Jesus as to believe you the devil.
0: There's no. Right. 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 I always thought that when I got mo- the most psychotic that I was just sort of like, uh Oh, I- I've been assigned the job to reveal <laughs> this. Yes. I, I didn't think I was a prophet. I didn't think I was Jesus or the devil. I was just sort of like, I, I'm I'm being privy. I'm privy to this information.
1: But then the information changed almost immediately when as soon as you got it.
0: No, because I, I was a, I was a sign reader. Okay. I would see signs, but I didn't know what they represented. Yeah, I had well, that. Yeah, which yeah. is, you know, I think which is what is compelling about about a lot of it, whether it's done on purpose or not, whether I bury Paul is there on purpose or not, it's compelling and it, it starts to create its own narrative That's right. that is not denied or not confirmed, which is a great tool of magic. Right, exactly. Uh, never deny, never confirm. Mm-hmm. So. You know, but that, but the ritual space. Well, you know, all this stuff mythologizing and images and and rumors that become myths is one thing. But it does seem to me that there were some artists that that actually affected and and utilized ritual space and and magic elements in order to deliver the goods.
1: Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Who are they? So it gets a little complicated, though. Okay? Yeah. Because you have a place at which. The music itself becomes the ritual space, mm-hmm. which is different from saying drawing a pentagram on your floor and trying to conjure up. Yeah, just put that Zeppelin. on the cover. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So Zeppelin I think is a very interesting example because you have somebody first you have Robert Plant very interested in the mythology of um, you know, ancient Britain, yeah, right. right. brings all that. That's yeah. where you get the, loves the Tolkien yeah, yeah, references. Yeah. You know, there's That's, more. A,
0: to me, relatively uninteresting. Yeah.
1: But there's more Tolkien references in Zeppelin than the devil. Sure. You know, song sure. per song. Yeah, you know, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Then you have Page, who is very interested in magic, I think in a very deep way, yeah. cares about it, thinks that um, stuff like what Aleister Crowley had to say is important. <laughs> and what's manifested is where I think ma- if magic is real, it's where it really exists. It's right. in that... It's in that transmission between the musician and the audience. Yes. Right? So there's some... There's a sacred space that's created yes. there. And we, in whatever that moment, we're in the show, we're listening to the music, we give over to this thing, and it's real, right? Yeah, it's that is... The, sure. That's okay. magic. That's magic.
0: Right? M- music is magic in general. Right. You know, just by nature of the space it occupies, you know, in our minds and in the air and, and you, know, uh, you know, like just even the, the opening riff of Satisfaction being delivered... To Keith, while he was half asleep, uh, there, there's something mysterious about that, and that's pretty much a pop song. Yeah, uh, you know that doesn't you know really lend itself to 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 occult thinking, although it was sort of calling out corporate culture in yes. a way.
1: Yeah, so it becomes kind of its own. Again, it's a sp- act of what I like to think is that, as particularly as it comes to rock and roll, that rock itself becomes a a weapon of spiritual. Rebellion uh-huh right uh-huh and it's often a spiritual rebellion that sees itself in opposition to traditional mainstream judeo-Christian norms from the beginning from the very beginning mm-hmm. right even when the slaves were singing their version of the of their spirituals, it was still it was in opposition to the normative mainstream white christian so, way of it, so
0: you're saying it always occupied that space and on some level the best rock and roll is something that pushes up against yes. anything mainstream anything uh dogmatic anything uh you know dug in
1: that's right and even before, prior to that go all the way back to the early avant-garde classical composers sure at every moment you see these composers somebody like ravel and you know they were always as much as they were doing this, they were also joining Rosicrucian orders. Sure. Right. Because, and looking also at, at, At non traditional spiritual modes, because they needed something that felt like it spiritually. They needed something that felt like it matched what they were doing musically.
0: But also, you know, I think the gift of that is, and the reason for it is, is that you know where how do you unleash the possibilities of your
1: imagination? So, like exactly, that's the that's it, right?
0: So, the tools of of ritual magic, whether it be a, a, a sacred order or or something you know more intimate. You know, is really sort of like we're doing something, you know, certainly, you know, uh, transgressive in a way. Yes. Something, you know, alternative and and maybe even uh, uh, against the law. Dangerous. Dangerous. To to see where that takes our minds. Right. (laughs) exactly well let's talk about the the late great david bowie because there's been a lot of speculation about the arc of his career and his characters and his different manifestations as being very conscious uh acts of ritual magic yes what do you think you're the you're you're now the spokesperson yes (laughs) The author of Season yeah. of the Witch, How the Occult Saved Rock and Roll. Tell me about the life of David Bowie and all his his character uh, manifestations and, and what they were uh, servicing.
1: So I, I think, and this sounds like a little bit of rock and roll hyperbole, mm-hmm. but I think that he really was the true rock magician mm-hmm. because he... So there's an interesting thing. There's a definition of magic that... Crowley says, Crowley, Crowley, yeah. that says, you know, magic is the art and science of of changing, of causing change in accordance with your will. Right. And a little bit later, this woman, Dion Fortune, said, actually, it's causing a change in consciousness to occur in accordance with the will. Mm-hmm. And so I see Bowie as somebody who at every turn actually was changing his consciousness through these different personas mm-hmm. fully inhabiting them mm-hmm. and all along the way using the sort of mythologies of various magic and, i mean he even went so far as to become interested in sort of the weird nazi occult uh-huh. st- you know mythologies. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. and he saw you know that as also a place where Populism becomes its own kind of theater, which becomes its own kind of ritual change in the public consciousness. Well, yeah, but what, I mean, right? that, well, the Hitler was very aware of that. Exactly.
0: Uh, yeah, and it enabled him to to manifest his will to you know horrible ends.
1: That's right. And so a lot of people would retroactively say that, and I don't know, you well, know, that was I'm, the whole
0: Raiders of the Lost. Ark. That's ex-
1: whole Raiders of the Lost Ark, exactly. Um, and so. Uh, Bowie would look back on that later and be wholly ashamed that he embraced the kind of slightly fascist Yeah. He and he said it was the cocaine and just Not thinking it through. Well, no, he he, he, he got—he
0: applied his intelligence uh, to to dark matter because when you're jacked on drugs and in a psychotic state and have a lot of money, uh, you're going to turn to the darkness.
1: That's right, exactly. So, I mean, think about it. Even as go back to any of these guys, they were young. Uh A lot of them grew up poor. Suddenly, you have more money than you know what to do with. Uh You know, and a lot of Uh, them died. Exactly with their dumb games. Right. One of the things that I found out later about Bowie after he died that just made me feel so good was that he, in later in his life, he loved being sober. Yeah. He loved his sobriety.
0: Yeah, well, he, I think you he know? became a very sort of, uh, uh, he was always elegant, but he became a, a very sophisticated, I think, moral and uh, uh, and uh, Polite English gentleman. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So, so as you move through all this stuff, now yeah, the, the conclusion is is that that rock and roll is magic, and that uh, it's magic because of the, the almost the the very nature of what uh, magic is, which yep. is an opposition to uh, to established norms. That's right. Uh, it's
1: also what we need it to be. So there's a lot that we as fans and critics and media impose on it. Uh-huh. You know, we want. To say, you know, there was a there was somebody who wrote that Mick Jagger was the most evil man alive. You know that yeah. he was the devil personified. Yeah, I remember. But he saw himself. He was a he. He saw himself as the trickster, not as Satan. Right. right? Well, he is. Yeah. Yeah, but he liked. I'll buy it. it. He brought all that on to himself partly because he liked the attention that came as part of embracing that. As you know, it, let me. And it's funny. Herself. Her
0: Satanic Majesty's not a great record. It's not a great record.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nope. the lanterns a pretty good song.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you get like later as we move into you know what really becomes defined as satanic rock. That's a fucking joke. Yep. Like it, it's weird because like American Satanism and Satanism Satanism in general as a specific uh, ideology and practice was really a, a, a huckster job. Yeah, I mean, you know, how Satan figures into other magical systems or the beast or Belzebub or whoever, whatever its manifestation is, was usually part of a broader system, right? right? Yeah. So then when, you know, Anton LaVey summons this fucking you know, ridiculous you know, bit of business... Which is, you know, yeah, just a gutting of Crowley and everything else. And it's basically just sort of, do what you want.
1: Yeah. It's about, it's a liberation, it's a yeah. libertarian theology. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, but it's sort of
0: like, it's it's half-baked in a way. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so, because, the, and I have to say, and I don't want to, you know... You want to trivialize Satanism? I, I, yeah, I don't want trivialize <laughs> Satanism, <laughs> but <laughs> like the <laughs> Church of Satan thing, you know, the yeah. current that's doing all these things with trying to get the Baphomet statues put up and uh-huh. to do... I kind of wish it was like a, a real Wiccan pagan group that was right. doing it, right? Or right. even the local Hindu temple. I wish they were the ones that were asking for a statue of Shiva. Shiva, yeah. You know, yeah. Because if you ask, there's these, context. There's context. They ask these guys, they say we don't believe in anything. We're right. atheists. Yeah. So why do you want a religious statue? Of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, the, they're, ju- they're, <laughs> they're 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 pranksters. They're great. They're great at it. Yeah. There's no doubt, and they're making. They're really showing. I think fundamentalism. At, what at its core is problematic oh, so right, right it's just
0: a direct opposition it's a reaction that's right it's not a system in a way that's right it's a reaction like punk rock is it would fall in the same punk rock for the most part is not magic per se but a reaction an aggressive reaction that's right right yeah yes. yeah so so um i just want to say on the record that i'm fine with magic i'm okay with the uh, some of the darker elements of magic that don't hurt people and I'm okay with the dark elements of magic that have, you know, delivered us some of the best music in the world. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm on board. Yep. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a member of the uh, the magical circle.
1: There's a story that I write about in the book um, when Zeppelin was recording three. They asked um, the engineer Terry Manning. Mm-hmm. Page went up to him and he said, "I want you to take this quote." Do what thou wilt and I want you to etch it into the inner groove. And Manny said, I can't do that. It's gonna wreck I you know, and he said, I need you to do it because we have to get Crowley's message out to the world. Yeah. So Manny humored him. He said it was a very precarious thing, getting the master in a way that he could get down above it, etch it in. He said it was maybe 20, 30 years later, Terry Mayer was watching cable TV, and it was, he flipped through. It was a 700 club, and the uh, minister held up the album. Yeah. Zell Zeppin three. Yeah. The devil in music right here, close-up camera. There's the inner thing. And Manning looked, and he said to himself, "I did that, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but it's not; it was only on one pressing, right? Is I, it hard to find? I think you can get it. I think you can get it
0: on an old Zeppelin three, like yeah. on the you know, right at between the last song and the label.
1: It, exactly, exactly. That's smooth. And you know, remember later, punk bands would always write little messages. No, there's stuff. In there all, there's and stuff. a lot of yeah. stuff written in there. Yeah, yeah, it was always fun trying to look for those.
0: Yeah, now we got to go look at my old Zeppelin. Yeah, let's three. do it. Yeah, let's see if it's there. That would be good. Well, so you know, you cover a lot in the book. You get and you you thread it through a sort of uh, memoir. Yep. Of your own sort of musical enlightenment. Yep. And uh, how's the book doing? Is it magic?
1: Pretty good. You know, you always people. It's like you think people buy books, but then you always want them to buy more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The book I did before this sold 50 copies. So yeah. Which one know? was that? Too Much to Dream. Uh-huh. Psychedelic American Boyhood. Uh-huh. That was my uh, memoir of my lapsed youth. Uh-huh. So now you tightened it up. Tightened it up. <laughs> got outside of myself. <laughs> you know? Good, man. Well, it was good talking to you, <laughs> Thanks buddy. very much.
0: That was uh, Peter Biebergal. Nice guy. I like the book. Season of the Witch, how the occult saved rock and roll. All right, so now what? Now let's talk to Joseph Arthur. He's got a new record out. The most recent one is called The Family. I'm also a fan of some of his other records. I I also I really liked his tribute to Lou Reed, mostly acoustic renditions of Lou Reed music, and it was fun to meet him and hang out cuz we it, he's just one of those guys where you're like, "Oh, we're kind of we got a thing. We got something in con- something" There's something we know each other from another life or something. This is me and Joseph Arthur.
2: You live in a garage in, in Redford. Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah. I. I mean, not officially. It's is it's this, like uh, li- is, live workspace. Yeah. I is, mean, is this a sad story, Joseph, or is it a nice garage?
2: It's. I, well, I heard you recently call this place magical, uh-huh. and you said that you uh, really have come to believe that it's magical. You got to, and I have come to believe. And I, I, don't know. I identify with you, Mark. So I feel I, it. I do. I identify. So I, I and I also think that my
0: garage is magical. It's just on the different coast. Well, the thing about spaces in general, you know, I, I think spe- especially with music, that you know they do take on. They are part of it. They are part, like, you know, yeah. whether you can identify it or not when you listen to the music, you, you know, but that room is that room, and right. the music's only going to sound like it sounds in that room. You yeah. Know, they do have that element, right?
2: Yeah, I think I think so, yeah. And, like, a lot of times, like, the greatest studios are just, like, yeah, pretty underwhelming spaces. Yeah, like muscle shoals. Yeah, they're but, just a room. But um, I usually always put it, like, think of it as, like, it's, down to like sort of uh, supernatural. Yeah. Like yeah, that they're spirits or something. I do mean, you? Have you fa- yeah, I think I I go that way. I don't know if I believe it or not, but I tend to. I have gone
0: that way in my life. Yeah. But then like but then I have to identify the the beings and you know what kind of spirits. Right. And and like, you know, why were they sent here? What do they want from me? Right. Are they gonna turn on me? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I if I'm gonna deal with spirits defined spirits there's always a chance that they'll start fucking with you the wrong way that's true they often do right they often do fuck with you the wrong way on purpose yeah and i you know see if you believe that i guess it lets you off the hook to a degree yeah but uh i could also just believe that there's a coziness or something like i could probably like i used to be a lot more mystical in my thinking yeah. before i met somebody who was a um you know like a guy who like if you look at um What's the the math word I want? The odds of something happening. Uh-huh. Do you know, like, if you really look at... If you break down a situation, like, why the fuck did I just run into that guy? Right. In my neighborhood. Yeah. Like, if you really break down, you the know, odds. what is your circle of life. Right. And you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of takes a little bit of the poetry out of it. I'm not... Or you know, puts it in. I mean, my...
2: I, I'm alive because of alcoholism. I mean, my parents met in a bar. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I... You know, I can't be too mad at alcoholism. Which one was an alcoholic? Well... Uh, well, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, my my, you know, the, my dad's got some issues with that. He's sober though. Oh, he got know? sober. Yeah, like, he's for real. So- yeah, he's sober. Yeah. Like program sober. Yeah, he got pro program sober. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. For how long? He's been sober a long, long time. That's fucking we- good. Yeah. yeah, 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 long time. Did you grow up in it? I did grow up in it. Damn, we're going there quick. Wait, we-, we were talking about mystical ghosts and stuff, yeah. and now we're like in my family. You are a sensei. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a
0: minute.
2: <laughs> um,
3: well, the
0: new record, like, um, yeah, I, I know it's not about yeah. your family per se, but you know there, there's a few of your albums that are, are narratively driven. So yeah. you are a storyteller.
2: Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank you for saying that. I, um, but I was getting the al- The reason I'm alive because yeah. alcoholism was the alcoholism of my mother's at the time roommate. <laughs> who was like prodding her What's fig- removed who were yeah like this was years and years obviously years and years ago before i was born but like so yeah she made my mom take her to the bar and that's yeah. where my mom and dad met they wouldn't have met outside of that my mom's my mom's from west virginia yeah and my dad's from akron ohio i'm from akron ohio which
0: akron is Earthquaker ohio
2: devices uh you know shout out to them i they're know all they're all they're all there you know yeah. them yeah I, well yeah I you're used, a, well you're, some,
0: a, you're a you're you're a pedal guy a pedal guy? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll layer the sounds. That's true. Yeah. You got brothers and sisters? I got a sister, older sister. What'd she do? Two and a half years older. Um, she is a painter. She and she's uh, raises uh, two kids. Painter, huh? Yeah.
0: How old are you? you mind me asking?
2: I don't mind. I'm 44. Okay. I'm 52. One. Yeah.
0: 44. 44. So you're growing up in Akron. Uh-huh. In you're the 70s. In the 70s. Well, yeah, Late 70, 80s. 70s. Maybe. Right. Yeah. So you're, what kind of, like, when did you start doing the music?
2: Well, My sister, I guess there was a piano that suddenly appeared. She older? She's older. Yeah. So then she was interested in piano lessons, and then so I kind of like just got swept up into that, and I hated that. But then. You know, it's funny because I got into Jaco Pistorius. I got into bass and and well, what and do I you mean like Jaco Pastorius? And you did that interview with uh, uh, Flea and Robert Chihuahua, which was great. Did you watch that documentary? Sure, I did. Yeah, it was wonderful. Did you like it? I well, I'm a huge Jaco Pistorius nut job. I love. Are it. you really? Yeah, I, I ripped all the frets out of my Fender Precision <laughs> bass. I wanted to be a jazz fusion bass player. Like that's what I, I I was in this band called Frankie Star and Chill Factor when I was in and high school. And it was school. a fusion band. It was a blues band, and we opened up for like. Stevie Ray Vaughan, a couple. Times. Really, I play like we play like five nights a week, and you're playing bass, and I was playing bass. So you
0: like <laughs> boom,
1: ba, boom, boom,
2: boom, boom, boom. Yeah, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, boom, Just like dun, 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 Yeah, you know, and funk stuff too. Yeah, um, yeah. And we were good. I mean, I I'd make like a lot of money. I probably made more money then than now, but you know, playing in a blues band, playing in a playing blues bars. Band. Yeah, playing bars. I could have I could have kept doing it. I mean, and then uh how up, old th- were you? This was like. Eleventh and twelfth grade in high school, so I'm like seventeen, and then so you're playing out. I was playing five nights a week, not per- guitar though, at, not guitar, bass. Yeah, yeah, all and bass. I, and I didn't sing until I was like twenty one. I didn't even. I was going to be a jazzer, you know.
0: That's weird. So, it is but weird. did you study jazz? <laughs> it it's not completely weird. It kind of makes sense because, like, yeah. I can't wrap my brain around you know fusion and enjoying it. Like I can. <laughs>
2: that makes a lot of sense
0: I can see Jocko
2: is a great yeah, bass player I understand that and, there, and I get and I feel that way too to a degree yeah. I, mean, I like you know I like yeah that's why I do what I do I like songs and yeah. hooks and, and, and hugs, repetition and, the and stuff. blues and stuff yeah and
0: I like the blues like fusion just sort of like there's something cheesy about keyboards sometimes that I can't quite get past even if it's fucking chick Korea right or even if it's that dude that crazy alpha dude in weather report that right. made Jocko's life so I difficult. know
2: Joe Zawin yeah Joe Zawin yeah. is that his name yeah that was a, that was like an a,
0: interesting
2: uh, yeah he seemed like a real terror that yeah. guy yeah and
0: I know That's, he's a great player but there's just something about I mean, like, look. Well, you I can, know how
2: us artists are, we have egos and freak out and insecurity. Oh yeah, we're a disaster. Right. We're, we're disasters. Just,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the good ones are. But like, I can listen to Miles. Like when he shifted.
2: Well, that, I was going to say a good window into like enjoying fusion. Yeah. If you ask me, is a uh, bitches brew. Yeah, I can Miles listen day. to that. I mean, day that's all day long. like yeah, that's like mystical. Going back to ghosts in garages, that's like mystical music.
0: I no, think. I think so too. I mean, yeah. I like I, the one I listen to a lot. For some reason, are, is the Jack Johnson record,
1: which oh, is right. really
0: kind of stripped down, huh. I man. Don't, I don't really know that one that well. Yeah, I guess it was done as a soundtrack for a movie oh, about okay. Jack Johnson, and I actually have uh, someone turn me on to like the full studio session, so I have all that shit. Mm-hmm. But I have, um, I have the record. Yeah, and it's really lean, and it's like it's it's. Like, apparently, he told John McLaughlin. To pretend like he didn't know how to play guitar that's amazing and, and i love it, stuff like that yeah yeah it,
2: like anytime like there's just like that opening be creative be free and also be free to be as sort of bad as you want to be like, yeah if you give yourself permission to not be great yeah that's a big i mean and that's like huge in what you do just going out and sure you know because uh, you know yeah you gotta take the prepared risk
0: material like what if yeah. you go up there and what, what you if do? you do? What, what, what do if you, you fail? Yeah. What in that context? You try not to fail in front of too many people. Right. But but like if you're working on shit, you gotta work on shit. Do
2: you, do you ever fail like when you go up there and like yeah. you like walk with a loss?
0: Well, or I do mean, you I, redeem I, it and it's, then it's, walk it's, away and know that something failed? It's more embarrassing right. than a loss. So like I know when things don't hit, and you know, depending on where I'm doing it, I can usually counter that right. by acknowledging it. Right, that's what I always do. I yeah.
2: always acknowledge the awkwardness, and, right, and then that's like, yeah, yeah,
0: it's better. It's better, but like in the <laughs> in the big world of professionalism, uh, it, <laughs> it does it does imply a certain inconsistency in your ability to do the job. I guess so. People could, yeah, could look like, at it that yeah, way. Like yeah, <laughs> I like that Joe. They like that Joe Arthur, but he fucks up a lot of songs, and he yeah. kind of talks about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but it's all right. Yeah. But but I think that is true about creativity that you have to you know not be afraid to to fail like with guitar like I it took me a long time to realize like the only reason I never really committed to it in a real way is I I don't like learning songs right and I, I sort of just like you know I think I'm a pretty good player but I never thought I compared to real players but like in the last few years I sort of just realized like. What the fuck does that even mean? And who it's does? Like, yeah, who but what does that mean to, like, yeah, in right. rock and roll, really? Right. I mean, uh, there's some bad players. So arguably, some of the best players that we know are not that great. Right. I mean, you're <laughs> talking about
2: technical level. Yeah, it doesn't... But that, that's, that's what that I part, compare
0: myself to. It's like, I don't know my scales. I don't know how to noodle. I can't just you know listen to songs and know them. And I don't like learning songs.
2: Well, well, well. I don't like learning songs either, which is well, why, you I write started, why I songs. So that's why I started writing songs. Because, really? Yeah, there was like the people in... Like, there was that talented kid in everybody's high school who could just hear Noodle. a song and play right, the like thing the, on
0: piano. Like, I remember like the guy... Like, uh, even, like... Right. Know? Like, Mike, was, <laughs> Mike Garcia could play uh, uh, Van Halen's Eruption. Right. And I'm like fuck it.
2: <laughs> there's that guy in every high school, and I was not him. And what, what would invariably happen, I'd start trying to figure something out, and yeah. then I would just start getting... Drifting away with this new progression and then start singing something or do something or make something up out of it i used to just compose but um i i wonder why like the thing with comedians and mm-hmm. musicians mm-hmm. like how so many really good comedians are like really good musicians are they really good uh, but hey, this is the question because like uh some of them are yeah like i mean they could be putting out records i mean like uh mm-hmm. You know, like when you think of like oh the flight of the Concords, they made those like oh yeah that those, yeah that kind good. of thing, and the Mighty Bush or whatever and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. or like and then Jimmy Fallon is yeah he the, can play pretty know, good, he's talented. But I always think like the only difference is for some reason comedians can't do it without irony. That's the, that's the well, thing. Well, if you're a
0: comic and you have musical talent, it really becomes a sort of like, how do you integrate it into your act without being stupid? Right. Like, or hacky. Or, or but why can't
2: it? a comedian then be also a serious musician where this is not ironic and
0: not funny? I don't think they can't. I, I just but think that, there, like, I is think Is there we, any case of that? Well, we might, we might respect music too much.
2: I think, well, I think you do that a little bit. I mean, I think you're like- um, sort of doing that like if I
0: played because like I really p- want to play with other people right but I, I don't want to make a big deal of it I don't want to have a goal in mind I would just like to collaborate on that level because I don't yeah. really know how and every time I've done it yeah. just on nights where Brendan small has some dudes like uh, I do it. I like it yeah, yeah it's just something I have to integrate in my life you find the guys you make a schedule you get a yeah. space and go fuck off for a while yeah I play on the podcast because like I just like the sound of it in yeah. my head and I like fucking with this stuff and I like Mike and the amp and I I just like, I don't put any real effort into it. And, and like, a lot of times I've, I'm just making it up as I go along. Yeah. And I, I don't know why. It's a nice way to like conclude things. Yes. Yeah.
2: I, I like it. I mean, I've been listening to the podcast since before you did
0: that. Right. And I like it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But let's get back to you in Ohio. Okay. So you're playing in a blues band. Yeah. You, you want to be Jocko. You rip the frets out. <laughs> yeah. You want to do fusion. I want to do fusion. Yeah. Well,
2: then, or I wanted to, yeah. I don't know yeah Stanley Clark and Jocko were kind of my heroes
0: oh yeah I remember Stanley Clark's yeah. band
2: well you know what I liked about the Jocko documentary was that it just it it sort of because remi- I wore like just loved him as a kid and then you know you get new heroes and you come up and you do other things and yeah. stuff like that but it just reminded me of that that sort of part of just music for the sake of it or just art like just yeah art not not thinking about it in terms of a of a commodity, but thinking just being an artist, just right. how how much of a gift that actually right. is, and you know, and to the heartbreaking way he sort of lost it, you know. Did
0: you think that way always? I mean, did you think? Were you thinking that way as a young person that this that, 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 that this is a gift, or, or or that it's not a commodity necessarily? I never really thought
2: money uh until like I got into my 40s. I like I'm late you- I'm a latecomer to think to being financially concerned. <laughs> not not because I haven't needed to be you yeah know, I've never been rich or anything but just uh yeah I don't I mean I think something happens when you click into the 40s with and you're your,
0: yeah and you don't know if you're gonna have enough money yeah to, you're like to ride it yeah. out yeah well I mean like how do I ride it out you went through that so I yeah. identify
2: that with that too like yeah uh, yeah and then this whole thing kind of like blossomed for you in a big way so
0: yeah well I think it's interesting that our career paths are, are similar in that we keep trying yeah I mean that's what I figure it's yeah. like and as long as you're not
2: bitter that's the main thing like is just not being bitter, you know. And and the and the way I'm <clears throat> a lot of times people come up to me and be like, you should be so much bigger than you are. I don't oh, it's understand. The worst. It. And I, you know, it used to like I used to, yeah, get into that and then get feel bad. And now I'm just like, you know what? There is no should in pop culture. Pop culture is this cold thing that doesn't yeah. care and it's it doesn't have anything personally
0: against you yeah the cream doesn't it, rise to the top it, usually the yeah. curdled part it just is, yeah <laughs> i don't know it,
2: it helps to not be bitter you know so yeah
0: well is that something you had to work
2: on of course i mean every day i'm bitter as hell right now i want to <laughs> jump over the table and start like
0: what fighting. what did i do no i
2: don't know what did i do i'm just kidding <laughs> I, I got lucky
0: i'm on your team you know yeah, yeah. But, okay, so you're doing, uh, y- y- when do you start sort of defining your sound? Because one thing is that you do have definite sound. I didn't really know who you were until I think you reached out to me maybe personally. Right. But but I got that, the like what I remember really listening to was the Lou Reed tribute album. Oh, right. And like it came from somewhere. I guess somebody sent it to me because you wanted them to. But like I'm, I was a big Lou Reed fan and I, I really appreciated the earnest approach to yeah. sort of honoring those songs. Yeah. And and I and I didn't really know who you were, but then I'm like, well, he must be yeah, a you guy. T- you
2: tweeted. That's why I reached out, because I was like a fan already. Yeah. And so, but I didn't, you know, right. Then and I uh, didn't think you, and you tweeted, and I was like, holy shit. Right. Know?
0: Well, because I was like, you know, I listen to a lot of records that come through. Yeah. And I get a lot of records. Yeah. And some things grab you, and some things don't. Yeah. So like listening to the Lou thing, because like, how do you do those songs? And you know, you, you did them sort of differently than... Your records, I mean, they were stripped down, right. were almost all acoustic versions, basically.
2: Yeah, it's a trip. I, I started a lot of records wanting to make something really stripped down. I yeah. mean, and that record in particular was um, not even my idea. It was a guy named Bill Bentley, who's um, a really great guy, A&R guy, of, yeah. uh, Vanguard at the time. And he. it was his idea for me to do that. And I just... Yeah, I realized it would be kind of a weird thing to do and I just thought, well, I'll just try it. something very simple and I did the sort of Brian Eno set limitations thing which yeah. was just like, I'm going to just do this all acoustic instruments and just use microphones. And so I did an acoustic bass, acoustic piano, acoustic oh, yeah. guitar. I just made it all acoustic right? and kept it really simple and, and it just worked out, it just sounded how it sounded and they liked it. Well, so. the,
0: what's interesting about it is that, you know, when you do a song that is so sort of... Elevated, I think he did "Satellite of Love" on there, right? Uh-huh. That was one of my favorite Lou Reed songs, yeah. and you know, and you take it down to that, you take it down to the basics and just the poetry of yeah. Lou. Like you know, it, it, it's interesting that it um, it sort of becomes a different song, right? But yet the the words. Are enough to you know, to sort of keep it high, keep yeah. it elevated, yeah. and I think you must have had a lot of respect for that guy. Oh yeah, A tremendous amount. Yeah,
2: I Did knew you him. have a relationship I, I, with him. I knew him. Yeah. Um, well, I got because I got signed to Peter Gabriel's label. I went from akron i went i moved to atlanta randomly i so just
0: wait so now okay so so we're talking about late 90s and late 90s yeah and like you're in akron are you playing well, out as your own thing and by the time
2: late 90s happened i was in i was in new york so um i left akron in 90 i graduated high school in 90 i went to the same high school as the black keys as well and christy you know Hine
0: no they're younger they're younger Chrissy's yeah. older
2: Chrissy's older yeah yeah it's definitely
0: uh, like a like a Rust Belt rock and roll town yeah there's something about it yeah
2: and, and you know that secret society comes from there too which one oh yeah that's the, right the one that bill. shall remain nameless dr
0: bob and bill that's right you can go to the
2: headquarters <laughs> the thing i went to the headquarters like i mean go. somebody i know went to the headquarters the pilgrimage
0: <laughs> yeah I, well yeah i, I grew, got I grew up near the, the headquarters oh that's you know? great yeah. that's great yeah yeah american geniuses those two yeah um so, okay, so you go to New York. With then I, went, well, then the I went to Atlanta, and then I like, Wait, when it, did you go to Atlanta at, before
2: New York? After high school. Okay, I, why Atlanta? I, because there was a band going, and it was four days after I graduated high school, and I wasn't going to go to college, and I just was like, okay, let's go, and, oh, I, and I left. Your band? Well, there was yeah, it was a band I was in. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. Which one? Not the, the blues band? They were called Ten Zen Men. Ten Zen Men, yeah. And what kind of music was that? We played like funk rock. Uh-huh. I did a lot of slapping and popping on the bass. So You're still a bass player, so you would have loved it. In yeah. other words, it's the kind of music you would have listened to all the time. Well, I like <laughs> I, I like the I like those Chili Peppers. No, yeah. But, I like but funk. Please, like calm down on the slapping and popping. I I like the I Chili like Peppers poppin'. too. I do I do too. Yeah. Anyway, so. You're where swapping we? and so, popping and so get So I go, in to Atlanta, car, go to Atlanta, go to Atlanta and then I, and then I'm working all kinds of jobs and my last job's at Clark Music, which is a guitar shop. I I sold guitars. We sold Fender guitars and
0: Little Music Store? Yeah, Little Music Store yeah. on
2: Ponce de Leon, you know it? Nope. Oh. Anyway, it turned into a pawn shop and then I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And then I um yeah, something hit me when I was around 21 where I was like, you know, if I don't play like crazy busy basslines all the time, I could maybe just like think about melody and uh lyrics yeah and so i started just playing more acoustic guitar and i made a a demo like of that stuff and and gave it to a friend in that um mysterious program yeah she'll remain nameless i guess are you in it i mean i think so okay it, you know i don't know i have a funny relationship with it but you don't drink i'm not drinking now <laughs> yeah market's rough yeah no i i am i quit drinking again
0: okay good or i yeah all right. Yeah. Well, I got you, the issues. If you say you quit drinking again, you need to quit drinking. Yeah. Like, you know, like That's any, one way. Yeah, that you know like You yeah. know, if anyone
2: says I got to quit, you got to quit. Or the other one I like is, if you ever wonder, do you have a drinking problem? You do. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Right. But uh so then yeah, and then that demo tape randomly got to uh Peter Gabriel. Just I, you on acoustic. Well, it was uh no, it was a little like a couple little bit of jape on there. Jape? Yeah what's that i need like that word <laughs> jape. uh oh, it's like if we were joking i'd say quit japing me oh okay so so some jape uh,
0: like it's an like old word yeah for uh like, like it, i want to bring bells back, and though. whistles yeah is that what it is maybe say i think you
2: jape? could yeah you could it could be that well,
0: yeah. what are you referring
2: to exactly when i'm saying jape, i mean like fake drums and you know oh, okay and, all right yeah right but you like that shit Oh, yeah, oh, I do like that shit, yeah, we disagree on the cheesiness of synthesizers no, no i look, i like I like your aesthetic, but i I also like a cheesy synthesizer thrown in to like offset that I've got, i like
0: I've got some like I've heard synthesizers that I like, oh okay, but like at that time when they were sort of new, right like, look, oh I got I, no,
2: I get you yeah when
0: yeah. when you know when you know people are soloing on them, oh right, yeah. there a texture. <laughs> Fine. So all right. So your your acoustically japed demo yeah it got gets to Peter, Peter Gabriel, Gabriel. Who at this time, what is it, ninety six? This is 95. like no, no, yeah, this is like yeah,
2: ninety four probably 95, 94. 94 95 yeah. So
0: Peter's a pretty big deal. He's a big deal, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unique sound. No one sounds like Peter Gabriel. Right. Like he's an, got his
2: thing. Well, it was it was such an interesting, weird world for me to, like, kind of go into because, like, here I go for this weird fusion thing. Like, I was, yeah. like, you know, like, I was already off. Like, I like I meet people now that are like, oh, yeah, when I was 14, I started yeah. listening to Bob Dylan and the Beatles and right. all this and learning how to write those songs. I'm like, man, I went about it the whole wrong way. But... Uh, Peter ended up bringing Lou Reed to my audition for a real like to the So you
0: send this demo in and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden like you 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 go to New York for the audition? I, I kind of
2: yeah, my best friend Jeremy was living there and so I was kind of starting to head into New York. Right. I've been a New Yorker now for like over 20 years. Right. So um so yeah, it, and then so I went there and then yeah. Peter brought loot. It was this little club called the Fez. I know that the
0: Fez was downstairs. Yeah, you probably at played time. it. Yeah, yeah. Time wasn't that little, right? Well, it was a couple hundred. Yeah, a couple hundred. And uh, it was nice. It was in a basement. It, yeah. It, it was. It was a nice stage situation. Yeah. Yeah. The the stage. You could state feel guys, the train. You could hear they, the. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They started Stella there. You know, uh, Michael, uh, Ian Black. Uh, David Wayne and Michael Schulwalter started their show Stella oh. at Fez, mm-hmm. so th- it was actually a comedy venue when that show was there. Oh. But um, so, all right. So, what? Do you, what's the outfit? What do you? What, how many people are you on stage with? I was by myself, and I was an
2: acoustic guitar, and I was like being a singer songwriter, straight up, like. And I, I was just faking. I was like, what in the heck? Like, what? Yeah, I, I guess I can cuss on this. Sure. I always think it's funny when people say, can I cuss? Yeah, yeah. But I just had that same instinct. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you've done <laughs> like, some radio in your day. Yeah. yeah. you uh, got to watch it. Yeah, like, what the heck is going on Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. No, but, it, and then I just, I just, it was like an out-of-body experience. I just played my songs. I have no idea if I was any good or not. I just, and then I walked right up to Lou, who was like, I mean, I, at that point, I was a huge, like, Lou Reed fan, too, and I was just like hey That's and he good. was like i like the song king of hide and seek and i was and i don't have a song called king of hide and seek but right. there is a lyric of that oh, right so and I so thought, you know what that is a better about it yeah i was like that is a better title than what i was calling that <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then we went out to eat and we're you and, and peter gabriel you me and lou? peter gabriel and lou holy shit and you're like 21 i was like yeah like 24 oh wow and dolly parton was sitting like in the booth next to Get us. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Where, and they were starstruck by Dolly Parton Why would more you than do? the other way around. Well, what, what, and then I found out sorry to Where was that? She was originally the one he wanted to sing Don't Give Up, what Kate Bush thing, the Oh, who? Uh, Dolly here? Parton.
0: Yeah, wanted uh, uh, Peter Gabriel wanted her too. Peter
2: Gabriel wanted Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, originally. So, so where were you eating? That was just right uh, next door. There was a restaurant next door. I actually don't really remember the name of it, but I remember it as yeah, being like yeah. a block away. And I right. remember walking with Lou, and some guy coming up and saying something, and Lou just sort of, you know, kept shielding, it, uh, shielding. You know, yeah. you know, acknowledging and shielding. But I just remembered thinking, "Wow," because it was like my first, you know like entree into like being on that side of things like, well yeah with like, a wow. guy
0: like lou when you've created in your lifetime an army of freaks and weirdos yeah you somehow have to protect yourself against you know what you've created
2: yeah i think he you know he was out and about a lot i oh, mean no. you know,
0: even in later life you know like new
2: York it, guy it, it, he was a new york guy and so like if you know if if somebody has a story where oh lou was rude you know it's like well what do you want i mean yeah no of course. What you would be
0: too Look, if it, I, you know i love lou yeah. i was listening to lou yesterday yeah i love lou too uh but but i like that you had this experience with like he was like a west side guy the west side like Meatpacking district right he lived mm-hmm. over there yeah i think he's pretty visible walking his little doggy i think sometimes yeah yeah but
2: uh so so you go to dinner with these two and went to dinner and then yeah then yeah and that um, lou was telling me talking to me about um publishing and stuff like that and what not to do and don't yeah. sign this and and, uh, and what's yeah. Peter doing? And Peter then was like, "Oh, we're actually offering a publishing deal too." Oh yeah, <laughs> so it was like so. Yeah. This was your deal pitch. this, yeah, was, I like, mean, you this know, was like we want was, you to record. It was crazy. It, was, it was for people. It was a lot like you know, just kind of like I mean, when you when I think about it now, it just seems crazy. He had this studio in England called Real World Studios. It's in Box, England, which mm-hmm. is like ten minutes outside of Bath. Okay, and he had this thing called Recording Week, mm-hmm. which w- which uh, was like all these musicians in producers and stuff like joe strummer came yeah um and like brian eno and you met Ch- those guys i met those guys yeah i met you know yeah i met yeah, i ate dinner with eno you did yeah what was be- that be- like, well because well the, his um marcus Straps produced my first record actually brian eno sang on my first record really yeah brian eno and peter gabriel are are singing on this on the song called Mercedes from my first record. I think it. I was told to me that it's the only song they both singed on together. Ever, ever. I, that's what I heard. What the fuck is Brian Eno like, dude? Well, I. I mean, I don't. I mean, you know as well as I do. I mean, what was? I, he I mean? mean, he was a nice guy. Okay, you know, but yeah. like, uh, I mean, I did. We didn't connect on a deep personal level. He's but like he's talking about mystic. I mean, right. Yeah. I'm his yeah.
0: influence on fucking music, and then yeah. coming like you move through. Like you know, he used to cite the Velvet Underground as his favorite band. Well, and his, then-
2: the way he did this is something I still use. Is is what he the way he sang on my record, and I do this all the time now too. When people ask me to like guess on their things, yeah. I don't want to hear it. I just, I don't want to hear it. No mic, like just get, make sure the mic is on and recording. Yeah. And then my first instinct is what we're going to record. Uh-huh. And that's what he did. Oh, really? And it's great. That's a great technique because you, you just trick yourself into doing something pretty cool that you would not never...
0: And then you don't second guess it. Yeah. And then you can develop it, of course, but sometimes. What, you can sometimes... develop it on the board? Well, develop develop the idea. Oh, yeah, you're saying so. You go with instinct first, and then you're like, "We nailed something with that, but let's like yeah, work maybe, it." Maybe it's magical, and you don't need to do anything to it. And I just killer. like the way he layers sound. Yeah, and like you know, and he's got like there, there's and I hear that in in you, but it's weird. I hear I hear some of that layering, but I also hear Bruce Springsteen in your shit sometimes. Yeah, I don't oh, know that's why. Cool. Yeah, I'll take that. I, uh, there's something like earnest, and like you know, yeah. like you know, th- this song means business. Right. And I'm telling a story. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a tough line, the earnest versus not, because it's funny, because I've been, like, in the studio the last, like, three, I, in my garage is yeah. also the studio. Sure. I, you can call it. I can call it. Can career. I call it whatever sure. I want?
0: Yeah. I've been in the studio. Yeah. And then I just go over to my bed. A.K.A. <laughs> the bed. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: and, yeah. uh. Well, yeah, because it was this Trump song I'm working on. And just that whole thing about earnestness versus not. Yeah. You know, because you like something can be pedantic or,
0: you know. Yeah. But what happens? So you get this deal. Like, this is what's interesting Mm -hmm. to me is that. You know, you're you, you you got this gig. Right. You got the deal on, uh-huh. on a set of acoustic songs. Right. And that first record is is pretty layered and and, and well yeah. produced. Yeah, yeah. So you are, are now at, well, at school almost. I was at school.
2: That's exactly right, man. Yeah. And it was the strangest school for me because my whole philosophy with you know, is the sort of like, well, you got the first thought, best thought, and then Leonard Cohen says second p- thought best thought or at least that's been attributed to him right which i think is cool but you know and peter is this uh, uh, peter gabriel's makes these re- was making these records and taking five years six years and lots of people working on them you know 20 different groove ideas for yeah. a, a song so like just this real meticulous way of going about it this real like sort of you know not that it's not coming from the gut because peter is like a, you know a groove person and right. stuff like that but it is a lot up here too so it was just opposite of where I was heading in my own way. I was probably gonna be like more just like, Let's make a garage record, you right. know, like that. Sure. You know, but but so then all of a sudden I was like in that world opposite extremes. Yeah, so I learned a lot. No I, jape. I learned I learned about Jape the <laughs> hard way. <laughs> but like high end jape That's the name of my autobiography. Jape, jape the, hard- the Hard Way. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like some high end jape dude. Yeah, no, it was real high end jape and uh and it was gr- it was great. I mean, it's been it's been a wild journey,
0: you know. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, but let's talk about because like when I look at the arc of like your career and your persistence, like y- y- you know, it didn't work out the way it could have at the beginning. R- right. Well, it it still hasn't. I mean,
2: <laughs> I mean, when I first found out you're gonna have me on your podcast, I thought, is this some part of Make a Wish Foundation? Is somebody not telling me something what's
0: going on here?
2: <laughs> like, am I getting the results right after this podcast? <laughs>
0: well, no, but like you know you you were poised.
2: yeah, yeah, you know, well, I've t- been it's a couple times like you get the machine grinding up. Well, know, I a mean the bit. first
0: record, big city secrets. I mean, it's a good record. Mm-hmm. But what happened?
2: well that right i mean well that came out in france and did pre- I, I i'm i'm i was big in france yeah <laughs> that's the yeah. name of my follow-up autobiography sure big in france Now i um, to Japan. <laughs> yeah um and then it didn't do anything here and then i waited around for a while before i could get uh, into the studio again it used to take years like was it disappointing come- Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, mind-blowingly disappointed. Like, everything, you know, along the way. But that's, like, that's how you develop into, like not you know that philosophy of not being bitter or whatever like ho- hopefully uh, hopefully these things don't destroy you along the way hopefully they well you kept of, and, working but, like i did even if you're yeah. bitter it's like you it's know the if, andy warhol thing like keep making stuff and while everyone says it, how bad it is make more stuff yeah it's like that's that's the attitude so I god
0: think. willing or the mystical dwarves or you the know. spirits willing if you ever do hit people going like who the fuck is this guy and, it, and you're gonna have 20 records there right
2: and if i don't Like, or to whatever degree I do or don't, it it doesn't really matter. I mean, other than, you know, I don't know. That's my attitude sitting here right now. On your like on Mark Maron's podcast though, so well, the, I mean like it could go a lot it
0: could go, there could go a lot further down from here. But the thing is weird, <laughs> right? But 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 you still work. I'm, I'm yeah, sure yeah. you've been down and like you know it seems like there's been booze involved at different times, so you can get real <laughs> there's down. There's been booze. Yep. There's yeah, there's been ladies. Yeah, booze and ladies that can really take you all the way down, all the way down. Oh yeah, those are two tickets to the bottom level. Yeah, but uh, but you know, but but even when. You know, after I, I liked the, the Lou album, mm-hmm. which is just called Lou, the songs right. of Lou Reed. Then you didn't
2: know a way, a way to get in because there's too much stuff. Well, or...
0: no, no. I mean, I kind of like kicked me and poked around a little bit, right. but I did listen to Days of Surrender a few uh-huh. times. Oh, cool. Like I That's have...
2: interesting because that was the record I made uh, um, after Lou and I kind right. of... Sort of had that
0: same inspiration. It's funny that you're that. Well, that, and that came to me in vinyl, and the cover is engaging, and I'm, I'm sort of I was sort of intrigued by you in general because there's something you know very unique and very you know ethereal about like the way you produce records. Huh. So I listened to Days of Surrender with that same kind of intent, like yeah. like of like there's something going on here. You know, like this guy's right. doing things. Yeah, and I, and I had to listen to it a few times
2: because it's. You a were very... listening to my magical garage. That's what you were listening to. That's uh-huh. that's my magical
0: garage. It's a lot of layers, dude. Yeah, in that record. In a, in a good way. I don't... Yeah, yeah, because oh. <laughs> because you listen to it, and then you hear your voice, and then it's sort right. of like it sounds like there's like like a, a whole other thing going on. Alongside of it. Huh. That's, Do you know what I mean? I, like, I, you know, like, here's the music, here's a song. Right. And like, what's going over there on the right? You yeah. Know, like, there's like
2: oh, right. textures yeah. and shit. Yeah. Yeah, lots of panning and stuff like uh-huh. that on the stereo spectrum. I mean, I probably could mix it better now that I've watched my mixing with Mike videos. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> that was it's like the... that was pre-mixing with Mike, so I didn't like. It's you know. not my intention
0: of <laughs> um, uh, you, know, you know making you feel insecure. No, about... no,
2: I appreciate. But listen, I appreciate you shout like, or uh, uh, shouting out that. Yeah. record. I don't know. How another, I, right. Is there a better way to say that? I appreciate Talkin you mentioning it. that record. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just. Um, Something I put out, and, you know, yeah.
0: Well, what, what now, but after- There's not a
2: lot of hoopla, or there's, you know, it's hard did you, to, you put it out by yourself? Yeah, kind of, yeah, that's a, the way I mean to it. Do you have a label? It. Um, I do Lonely Astronaut Records, I guess. I mean, it's like, uh, we just, I think it's like this thing where every time you put out something new, it's, the music business has changed again. So yeah. it's like you reinvent it again every single time. How many
0: big uh, uh, labels have you been at? Oh
2: man! Well, through Real World, I was on Virgin, and then I went on to Universal. Real World, what is it? Real World is Peter Gabriel's okay. label. Okay. yeah. And um, you went to Virgin, and, and well, they uh, they I was signed to Real World, and then they put it out through Virgin. So you get signed. Sometimes you get signed to these labels that are also signed to labels, right?
0: Subsidiaries. Subsidiaries. Now the second record come to where I'm from, like Mm -hmm, you know this. Produced by T Bone Burnett, who's a genius. Yeah, in in, in, like you know in his own way, right? I mean, I I, think so. Yeah, I I liked a couple of his solo records, and you know certainly he's a great archivist.
2: Oh, he's yeah, he's. uh,
0: What did he bring? The world
2: is a better place for For, T Bone. Yeah, Yeah. and what did he bring to your sound? You know, he produced me uh, uh, like, in... he gave me he gave me so much confidence it's hard to explain uh-huh. I, I don't i don't think it's any accident that he keeps having big success that he does because i don't know he there was something he did where he just like made me feel like what i was doing was very important uh-huh. and, that, and that you know and just gave me a lot of confidence and then we made that at sound city which was the you know the out day, here yeah the yeah. gold yeah. documentary another magic place which is a magic place yeah yeah and Just the whole thing, and that was like the L.A. record. It was I was out in L.A. for like three months, staying at the Oakwoods. I found Usher's driver's license in the parking lot, (laughs) and I turned it in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway,
0: so yeah, and how'd that record do?
2: Well, it again, I think you know that record actually sort of was kind of like. Can, is considered my first record over here in a way yeah. and that did pretty i got record of the year in entertainment weekly oh yeah yeah so it had a it and it was a critically well-received record and it sold okay yeah but it didn't sell a lot you know and so virgin kind of lost interest after that and then that's when i went to universal it's got the groovy cover too you always got good covers. thanks man i'm a i usually paint them i'm a painter yeah yeah when did that start oh that's the painting. been i've been painting since i was a kid yeah yeah and you do
0: all your covers yeah mostly Right? Usually, yeah. Pretty much. And so, like, so then, all right, so it didn't pan out as well as Virgin wanted it to. Yeah. And then you go to Universal. Then I went to Universal, and um, yeah, then
2: uh, Honey, that was Honey in the Moon, which went on the OC, and that did okay. Yeah. It was a song I have called Honey in the Moon. Yeah. Um, and that was from Redemption Sun. Redemption Sun. How'd yeah. the record
0: do in general?
2: It did a little better, but still, you know, nothing that's going to, like, But are
0: are you really writing songs that you know are hook laden and he i mean it seems like you were sort of a little it wasn't even that you were it's not even an alt sound it's a very unique sound yeah that 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 you know i i don't know i mean did you were you writing songs to be
2: huge i mean in my mind i i like write what i like you know and so it's just I, you can and I, I like good songs and I like hits, you know, so I'm trying to write songs that are likable. It's not like, you know, but I'm also not like following a formula or right. something like that. I, I come, I'm coming from my own unconsciousness. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So that. And record- Peter,
2: and Peter like specifically said that to me a few
0: times, which was don't, Go to them. Let them come to you. Well, there is a dreamlike quality to some of it, like especially on days of surrender, which you did in your garage, yeah, without the help of Mike. Yeah, Um, was that <laughs> there? There is a sort of frequency to it yeah. that that feels a little uh, dreamy. Yeah, like you know that. I mean, there, there, it vibrates on that level somehow because I think that's what I engage with. Like, yeah, you know, you like that dreamy level. Well, well I just like I I saw it as something unique, right? You know, and I felt that's it. Cool. Like I felt like you know like like, this guy's is, is, is a real thing. He's his own thing. Wow, thank you so much. I That means a lot to me. Seriously. But then you go on. You go, like, from between Redemption Sun and The Ballad of Boogie Christ, mm-hmm. which was some sort of mildly subverted personal story. Which, oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like the way you said that. <laughs> mildly subverted. Personal
0: story. Personal story. But, I mean, you did, like, four records.
2: Uh-huh. Five records, even. Yeah. You just keep pushing him out i keep making records i love making records yeah i mean i don't, I don't love showbiz so much i mean yeah. like i'm like, reaching to the choir yeah but like this this is nice yeah I mean this isn't well but this isn't showbiz but you know what i mean like uh i mean I but guess throughout
0: these records are you still working with keltner like when, when you when you do sometimes like, like a, our I shadows will remain fistful
2: of mercy yeah. my band with ben harper and danny harrison jim played on that too
0: what was the arc of learning you know from you know through after universal where do you go um so okay that
2: was uh, who
0: does our shadows will remain okay
2: so our shadows will remain yeah it's interesting was this uh label called vector yeah and that's um and they're they're a huge management company still now um and they got me um onto this label in england called 14th floor records uh-huh and 14th floor did was doing like david gray and Damien Rice mm-hmm. and selling like millions. And so right. they were slotting me into that. And I and, and they geared it up. They did do a really good job with Our Shadows Will Remain. I sold out like Shepherd's Bush Empire over there. Like it, it was building and doing really well. But then there was like something happened. Like the, oh, they were going to go with Honey in the Moon. They were going to try to like repurpose an old song for a yeah. single. They thought that was... They were going to yeah. try to take it to the mountaintop. Yeah. Know? Didn't work. Yeah. Did, it didn't fly on radio. And, th- and then all of a sudden... That's it. It just starts... It's a fadeaway. But when you see the fadeaway coming and then you know it's there and then it's like... Again. Again, there's the fadeaway, okay. And that's when you got your own label going or your own outlet? Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I... I I don't mean to be so vague about that. I just don't know what it, that even means. It's like yeah, maybe you, I don't either. Yeah, like I don't like a label now. But you started it's,
0: self-producing.
2: Yeah, or so or just being able like getting distribution. Right. You know. Right. But I mean, even that, my own label was through Megaforce, which is a big, huge label. You know, so that's why i always go like do i have my own label
0: uh kind of you know well it sounds like you've got a lot of support through musicians and some producers yeah. like are you self-producing like who produced a nuclear daydream um i think yeah i did yeah yeah and you know you just sort of took hold of that shit yeah and
2: yeah. Then that was yeah because that's when the the our shadows will remain fade started happening and yeah then i had nuclear daydream when i review my history I look at the albums I followed up, like getting a little bit of vibe going, yeah, and go, okay, did I let myself down? And I really don't feel like I did. Like I feel like no, that record stands too. Like yeah, you know, it's just that I don't really follow a particular sound or style. I think a lot of people like to me. Styles of music are kind of like the outfit you're wearing versus the outfit. I'm wearing or something or just I like guess, you know, But it, I
0: hear you throughout like if oh, I go, poke okay. around okay, cool. like I'm not I don't listen to something you've done If I'm you know flipping around from and, and different go, years this, and go yeah. like who's this guy? Yeah, it I holds mean, together I, guess. I think so the tone yeah. of the, your songwriting and the way you sing and certainly some of the instrumentation, right? It's not like all of a sudden you're doing a fusion record, right? That's next
2: <laughs> Getting back to fusion. It's <laughs> time. It's just, time. just me, is this me on the cover. It's called <laughs> just japan around <laughs> a lot back, of slap bass back covers just a big thing of my thumb
0: hitting a bass string <laughs> yeah but like talk tell me about the process of um of of making uh the ballad of boogie cries because that sounds huh. interesting yeah that
2: that was a long that was word first I'd normally wrote songs like days of surrender for instance yeah. is music for is all me- melodically driven right it's all just like so i'm just making up words to fit into the melodies you know uh-huh And with Boogie Christ, I had, like, words first. Which is why you got this story arc. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it with that. And then, I mean, that just took years and years to make. But you let it go. You you work on it for a while, and then you, like, walk away and do other things, and then you work on it again. How'd you fund it? Oh, through uh, Pledge Music.
0: And that was before Kickstarter?
2: That was after Kickstarter, but, yeah, Pledge Music and yeah that, that really worked out pretty well for us yeah yeah it was good it's, gotta, it's a lot of work i mean it, the thing is that it's perceived as like this uh you know you, you're kind of your hands outreached which yeah. which i guess it is but in the end you're you're really just selling your stuff it's like a fire sale for your right store i guess yeah That's yeah a,
0: on some level I yeah mean, you know but you got enough bread together and you got good players on that thing yeah yeah, and uh, you work with Garth Hudson. Garth Hudson came. I,
2: I mean, it was gonna originally just be like, yeah, just me and Garth on I'm, I'm uh, one uh, of the big sounding organs. Well, there's this studio called Old Soul. Yeah, in uh, upstate New York, and Garth lives there. Yeah, and uh, not at the studio, but so and Garth would come. And, um, Garth would come by around like midnight. Mm-hmm. He he works late. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and just. He talk about a magical being, you know, and just he's like kind of leans like this, and, yeah. and just starts doing things, and it's just like playing a Casio keyboard up here that's just got little mini keys, yeah. and he's somehow like playing something amazing, and then playing a grand piano with the, yeah you know, at, uh, with the other hand, uh-huh. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, that's it's cool just, to work with that guy. Huh? Yeah, that was unbelievable. It really was, and he doesn't say much in between, but then he listens and he makes sure you uh, race things he doesn't like. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't want them getting out
0: there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Controlling the, you know, yeah. You know. Doesn't want no uh, jape out there. Doesn't want the jape.
2: <laughs> Man, yeah, this yeah,
0: jape word landed for you. This is yeah. gonna... Well, you've pushed it. You're you gonna, sold it to me. This is gonna...
2: You're gonna use jape.
0: So did you, like, tell me about, like, it, it was sort of like, there? I read some stuff on you and it, it seemed like sort of a uh, an ironic... Uh-oh. And ironic, but I read of, some stuff on you. <laughs> but it was sort of touching to me that, like, you did—you got a Grammy nomination for a cover. Oh God, you love it! <laughs> like I'm
2: like this guy's been know, working but, his whole life I, I, on his know, music. You, you know what I'm glad? I'm what? glad you see the humor in it because that's the big, that's the it, that's how you survive it. Yeah, you know, is it's funny as hell. It really is. You know, I yeah. think I. You know, which cover was it? A va- called vacancy. Yeah.
0: How many years in for vacant like when you do vacancy?
2: That was still early days. Oh. So that was like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that wasn't- that ha- wasn't quite as hysterical as it's becoming. Right. <laughs> oh, it was an EP too. <laughs> yeah, and it's an EP, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You got a little
0: attention from the industry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Do you ever do art for other people?
2: I've been asked a couple times. Yeah. I haven't really done it much, but- but you do a lot and of painting, there, and you have you sold paint your a, paintings? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I sell. I mean, I uh, I paint all the time and do art shows and stuff like that. That really helps me. You have a gallery. Keep the living going too. Um, or do you I, just sell them online? I used to have a gallery called Museum of Modern Arthur. Yeah. I opened up in Dumbo, Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Yeah, for like three years, we had like events, and it was pretty fun. Did it work out? It did to the, you know, I didn't get rich, but, yeah. I mean,
0: it depends on your definition of working Was it a scene? Out. It was a little bit of a scene. It was fun. Oh, good. Yeah. And I, I they just sent me today, this morning, your book of poetry, so you got that. Yeah, I write poems and post them. But do you write them to, not to be songs, but just to be poems?
2: I write a lot, so, you know, and then I just post them, and, you know, I don't know, some of them I think are, you know they're, they're as cheesy as they want to be, you know. Just putting I, shit out in the world, man. Yeah, um... Yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm I'm dri- driven to do
0: it. But this new album, you know? the new album family again, is another uh, album that sort of explores you know themes throughout characters. Right. And um, this it, it does sound a little different to me. Right. In that well, you know, well, I mean, it, it, the the piano is very prominent. I wrote
2: it all on piano. I got this Steinway uh, Vertigrand from 1912. Uh huh. It was in one family. It came from Connecticut, and it was uh, I think I got it for like sixteen hundred bucks. In uh-huh. fact. You know, that's something you could because you don't need a huge space at all for it. I mean, yeah. a, a vertigran, um, it's a well, it's a upright piano, yeah, but yeah, you can get them pretty inexpensively. And this one is ma- like magical. And so, I just yeah, started writing songs on it.
0: And it, did you was it based on the piano? It was all based, it like wasn't that, based that it was it on, with one family? Did no. was there a root? to the, the no, story I was at,
2: the root to the story was i was with this girl who was uh, on speed and her husband or her ex-husband kept calling her and was like um upset about her not taking care of the kids and she was telling me about that and then i was identifying with him thinking like, and then when i went home i started writing a song from his perspective to her you know and that was called that's called you wear me out on Mm -hmm. the family Mm -hmm. and that was the seed of the whole record and then from there i just decided okay i could write a whole album on just family dynamics yeah and so i started um talking to my own like my my own family about their histories and stuff and i started like using aspects of my grandparents and and just a way to explore my own sort of family history as well but even though it's not about my my was it cathartic for you I think all creative acts are cathartic, you know, like uh, there is some sort of catharsis there. I mean, I I think like, you know, we're, we have, we're given all this energy to do something with and, and if I don't do something creative with mine, I do something destructive, you know? So I, so I, I'm like, I'm not so results based. That's maybe one of the problems. But but it sounds like on some level you, you create to save your life. That's why I do it. (laughs) That's why I don't have a problem with whatever the universe wants. Wherever the universe wants to put me in that mix is cool with me because I, for me, it sounds cheesy, but it's really true. The reward is in doing it. Yeah, you know, I just like doing it. You know, and
0: and how much did you did you spend a lot of time with Lou?
2: You know, uh, were you
0: around when he was sick?
2: I spent. I did. I did see him a lot. You know, for a time there. You know. Yeah. Um. Um. Did you learn from him? I did, yeah. I mean, it's hard to put into words exactly, you know, because I learned from his music so much before, you know. But, yeah, uh, yeah, just with him, I just, you know, just loved him as a person, you know, And and, and tried to not... Asked too many, you know, like questions about, certain, like tried to not be a fan. And I, I kind of wish in a way that I asked, I had been more of a fan or more asked more just like, like you know, you the know, fan question. Hey, what's you know, the Coney, the guitar sound on Coney Island, baby. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I did text him once that Coney Island Baby is the best song that yeah. anyone's ever written. Yeah, and you know, and he handled it very graciously. I then I immediately said, "Oh, sorry to fan out." And he he wrote something nice back. Like, oh, he did. Yeah, he wrote something very nice back. You know, so he was a nice guy. Yeah. that's the thing. he yeah. was a
0: really. Inside, he was a very nice guy. I yeah, mean,
2: and outside, but like you know what I mean. He has the
0: sure. Well, I mean, like anybody else, you know, you don't know who they are until they yeah. let you in. Yeah, and if they let you in, then yeah. you know. Yeah, and if they know that you already know, they usually let you in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? I think that's uh, I think that's true. Um, and what what did your folks do when you were growing up? My dad
2: was. Um, well he was building truck tires and he worked for the government then he put himself through law school oh yeah and then he became a lawyer and he also built like houses i mean he worked really really hard is I he mean, still around still around yeah and they you know he's like yeah like uh, sort of i don't know what you what um strata you would put us in well i lower mean, middle class but no, but middle I mean, class like, i don't know how does he feel about you um, well, that's probably complicated But uh, I mean, like, you, you mean, know Is he proud? <laughs> Does he like your work? Does he I think so oh, That's good I think so, yeah We have a good I, I feel like my family relationship is, is good, you know good. I mean, there's, I, like, there's You know, we're a dramatic bunch I mean, we You know, we're crazy But usually point. they
0: just want to know you're okay and they...
2: Yeah, I think They really care about me They really love yeah. me And I really love them And care about them, too, you know And your mom's so. all right? And my mom's really good, yeah yeah Good. they're together still oh, uh up in ohio yeah in akron they still live in the house uh oh yeah that i grew up in yeah so you, you go back to i go sometimes? back i sleep in my childhood uh bedroom but now it looks like a pier one imports instead of the cool <laughs> bedroom i left it <laughs> jimmy hendrix posters on the wall
0: <laughs> where'd they put the posters man where are the yeah. posters man yeah you want to play a song sure on um, my guitar why not is that in tune
3: drunk, I miss the fiend, I miss the simplicity of addiction in the scene, I miss wandering aimlessly in half-dead sewers with rats for eyes, chewing on forgiveness and the will to apologize, I miss the return and no return as I burn an avalanche as a white snow and yellow cocaine, I miss talking to brick walls while following the grain, human dolls as I plagiarize myself like a dummy, stuff with counterfeit money for Cairo and black honey, I miss illusions begging to be chased, even as they disappear into me erased. Until there is no one or nothing but the chase, and a powdery ghost with no face or faith. And the woman of my dreams disappearing without grace. I miss the zoo. I miss the zoo. I miss the zoo. Involving into a cloud of blue marijuana Blown from the lips of hookers and pimps As they shake each other down in the alleys for the damn but mighty No one but the weak around and the beautiful unsightly I miss numb Neanderthals marching in rows of living dead From my wisdom teeth to Spain and back again in my head I miss salvation in syringes and angels of mercy And blooms of smoke, numbing and rain which drinks when thirsty I miss glasses full of spirits without tongues Speak to me of Napoleon's wild nights I miss staying up for days and becoming a psychic pretzel flying kites, Shoot on by a Zulu heading with toads to Mars. A mysterious prison and one without bars. At least those kind of bars. I miss the zoo. I miss the zoo. I miss the zoo. waking in the arms of strangers like puppies just born in the pound to a dead mother with eyes sealed shut looking for a tit to suck and other dangers when the night before laughter was our only pursuit even as knives carved up our backs and demons sat like Buddha's eating fruit Meditating on hate forever in our minds I miss exposing even my bones and the need that rewinds Even my burning home, even my gutted inner child Even my dead grandfather beneath the ground is wild Even my criminal family, even my weed whacker thoughts Whipping a thin plastic string to cut the ears off others as I sing I miss Van Gogh's revenge, I miss his nightly binge I miss spiders surrounding my bed and lifted me as if an effigy Or a dead king, a prophet of doom A Jesus for the apocalypse wearing dirt like perfume Or a mother for Satan Or a ghost for all the children of abuse Take me into the fire, watch me burn like a goose As they sing in spider voices There goes creation, there goes the moon There goes the butterfly wanting a cocoon I miss being a bloom and a goon Waking up too soon in the afternoon I miss the zoo I miss the zoo, I miss the zoo,
0: I that was great man, <laughs> <laughs> they got it. I love it man thank you so much great talking to you
2: you too Mark I really uh, yeah I'm a big fan Uh, I think what you do is wonderful and um, thank you for doing it Yeah, I appreciate it I I like
0: talking to you thank you Mark nice right I like when people play in here so I'm gonna leave it at that I I guess I won't be playing because we just had a guy play and sing right wtfpod.com for all your wtfpod needs posters T-shirts, tour dates, blog, podcast. Whew, yeah, I'm sweating. Boomer lives!